we're going to be getting into our health feature uh, for the final hour of this show. Professor Shingai Mutambirwa is going to be our guest today. He is the head of Department of U- Urology at the Sifago Mahato Health Sciences University. We're talking about men's sexual health for this hour and we'll be taking related questions. Before we get to it, let's get uh, some of the voice notes that you've been sending through on the issue of youth unemployment. Well, uh, for our final conversation today, the health feature that is, we have it every Wednesday, the final hour of the show. Today, uh, we're looking at men's sexual health. Professor Shingai Mutambira joins me on the line. Professor Mutambira, good morning to you. Thank you for your time. Good morning, Kathleen. Thanks for having me on. Well, this conversation, of course, was triggered by a call that we had from one of our listeners last week. I want to play uh, what our listener had to say. I see a lot of men buying these cheap pills for, for boosters for many babies. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? You mean, boy, doctor, enlargement? Yeah, listen, pills, some of them, sometimes they go 220, but they are not long-term, you see. And the clinic that we are supposed to go to costs about 500, and that clinic does not supply medication in that 500. Mm, and, mm. You know, the thing is, uh, if you cannot satisfy a woman, you end up not feeling like a man, you end up not keeping a relationship or abusing alcohol, or being angry, you see. So it caused a lot of frustration in a lot of men, and they, mm. are, they are silent about it. They are mm. not talking about it because they feel like they, are, they will not be seen as men if mm. they talk about it. Yeah, because of it also affects their minds and their, their well-being, their health lifestyle, because of really it, it's going to be a problem because of those things, they are not long-term things. They only work for that one night, and then tomorrow you have to go and buy again, you see. So... There's no permanent solution for men out there to, to help them get this thing of, of sexual performance. All right. So that was a, a call we, re- we received from Anonymous last week who asked us to specifically focus on men's sexual health and spoke about how this is often a difficult conversation for men to bring up. And yet um, there's so much that is happening in the space. Some of it could uh, be dangerous as well. in as far as the solutions that men go about trying to find in solving whatever the nature of the problems or challenges they may have. Professor Mutambirwa, you of course are the expert in this field. So I'm I'm really in your hands for today's conversation. I'm going to be guided by you because no I, 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 I can't say that I, I know the issues or even understand the issues. And I, I'm speaking from a woman's perspective, but I'm really hoping that we'll be able to create the kind of space where, um, as we had with Anonymous last week, men will be able to call in and know that whatever it is that they may be asking you, of course, will be able to help help them navigate through these um, health issues. Yeah, it's, it's actually a very important question because the, the fact of the matter is that sexuality is one of the biggest aspects of, uh, of humans and, and culture and, and, and lifestyle. And I think the, to, to start it off, I think we have to remember that sexuality is we medically like to say that it's called a biopsycho, social, cultural, personal aspect. Now, what those are is that the biological is the physical move, movement of, say, for example, an erection or the um, feelings for having sex, which you call libido or, 
the, 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 the way we, we can actually interact um, physically with a partner, if you're with having a partner, or with yourself, if you want to pleasure yourself uh, personally as a, as a sexual being. Um, the second is the psychological aspect, so when you think about it, because each person is different. We all have our own feelings about what's exciting sexually, how much performance in inverted commas that you need to be getting from this, and how you, you interact again with the, the psychology of a partner if you do have a partner. The social is also very important because remember a lot of us guys particularly, we often like to socialize with other guys and have discussions which are often relatively inappropriate because the moment you never meet a guy who says that he's not uh, a massive performer in the bedroom and that sort of thing. And uh, a lot of that is just myth. And when you base that on, for example, uh, looking at, at uh, people, when you look at, for example, pornography, uh, which is perfectly reasonable for a consenting adult, but just for an, as an example of how we can mess up our own selves by, uh, socially, is that the average um, porn movie that we that we watch, if we if usually anywhere between 10, 15 minutes, but it takes between three and four days for them to make that very few minutes. And so these long-term performance things that people are talking about, they can be important, but again, it's about actually interacting with a partner and with yourself if that's what you want to do. There are also cultural aspects, obviously. I mean, there, there is the fact that, you, if, for example, you go down to, if, you, if you're going to a, a, a village or somewhere and they say, oh, no, you have to be in daughter, you must be tough, you must do it. The thing. You cannot be having sex with a, a, with a, a non-binary gender. You can't be having with a man or a woman or, or whichever aspect that you're having. It can also impact on the way a person performs sexually. And then, of course, is the personal, the way you feel yourself about yourself. And that can be based on many things. For example, if you've got a lot of stress at work or you're under a, 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 you've got problems with other, other aspects of your life, that can also impact on it. And again, all of these things, once they interact, they can impact on how you, a guy sexually performs. Uh, now, maybe just to come to what his question was, which I think he was basically saying that um, you've got, the, I think there were two aspects. One was that, um, he, the, 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 the performance is going down, uh, and the second is that he, the, the feeling for having sex might be having an issue. That's the performance. Remember, uh, females are much more complicated and much more clever in many ways. So they often have they haven't been the female sexuality hasn't been studied as much as men. But uh, there are lots of aspects, more aspects to female sexuality in many ways, although they are still based on the biopsychosocial model like that. But for guys, we basically have about five conditions, which we often just lump into one thing, that it's a sexual dysfunction. And that would be um, the erection problems, where we don't maintain an erection for uh, long enough to actually have satisfactory um, sexual uh, satisfaction. And that's pretty common. I mean, we know that the erection basically is just uh, a lot of blood in the penis. The penis is made up of two sponge-like tissues, one on each side, called the corpora. When a guy gets an erection, uh, what's all that's happening is that there's an increase in blood flow into these sponges and, and the blood is not allowed, allowed out. So it's not a muscle or a bone, it's just a lot of blood in the penis. And we know that uh, there's always going to be wear and tear as years go by because these blood vessels can get damaged, for example, if you have diabetes or high blood pressure or even just aging. It causes thinning of the inside skin coating of the, of, the, of the blood vessels, which then can block the blood going into there which can then cause erection problems. And the best erections for guys are between 18 and 22. Uh, and uh, we'll come back to why that is. But the point is that we know that by the time a guy reaches 30, 
about 30% of guys are going to have a bit of a problem with the erections. By the time we reach 40, half of men are going to have a problem with uh, either getting an erection or maintaining an erection. And as we get older, it even gets worse. And the whole point is that it's not easy. Although the, it, it, there's a psychological aspect, definitely there is part. There's also um, biological aspects. For example, if you have diabetes, as I said, or, or, or high blood pressure. So erectile dysfunction is a big issue, but it's also a life-threatening issue because if you have uh, erectile dysfunction, uh, which has lasted for more than three months, because remember, everyone has favorite guys at some stage. You might not get it up, this, that, and the other at any age. But if it's consistent for three months, you are now at risk of having a heart attack, a stroke, loss of limb. So it's important for, the, for any sort of sexual active aspect to be assessed. The most common sexual problem, though, is actually premature ejaculation, which is, uh, um, affects about 80% of guys at some stage in our lives. And they're, um, they, they, it, it's basically based on your own feelings on how long it should be taken. We used to give time limits, but um, that's changed now. The third one is about the feeling for having sex, libido, which is based a lot on the man chemical testosterone, which also goes down as we get older. There are also fertility problems, and we can also have pain as well. But of those five, we have to identify which one it is because each of them has different underlying problems, and they also have different treatment aspects as well. Mm. Thank you so much for that, Professor Mutambira. I just wanted to ask you, in terms of part of what you've already outlined, this this issue of rating performance, it, it's such a big one, right? I mean, is there an average that people can and should even be looking at in the first place when it comes to this idea of rating one's performance or even how one should, how long a one should be lasting in bed? Yeah. Again, as a scientist, we have studied this, so I'll, I'll put it again. I just, I'll, I'll go back to this, that the point is it depends mainly on your own on the amount of bother you have from anything I'm going to be describing. So if you're not bothered by these figures that I'm going to give, then you shouldn't be worrying because it's all about the way you interact with yourself and with your partner. Now, when it comes to how long an, uh, 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 how long an erection should uh, be for penetration, for example, it's premature ejaculation. We used to say it was um, either penetrating within, um, ejaculating either before penetration or within 30 seconds of penetration. But the reality is now we've changed that. It depends. Each person is different. But the average uh, American male, well, that's what have done most of the studies, lasts between three and a half and five minutes of penetration. Which, and oh, so that's pretty much the, the, the standard. But then, so although you're, when you, when some guys are going to talk, oh, no, I've been going for three or four hours doing this, it's extremely rare for that to happen. And on top of that, it often could be quite painful to the partner. And that's uh, what the the ability to regain another erection, which because this is the, one of the big issues for a lot of uh, us African men, is that how many rounds do you get in a night? Uh, because the a guy, the average guy, uh, when it, it's based basically on something called the refractory period. Now, what happens when uh, a guy has orgasm? Is there's another chemical called noradrenaline, which is released to squeeze down these blood vessels so that the erection will go down. That's why even if uh, if, if you really, if you're still feeling like having sex, once you've had orgasm for as a guy, you can't get another erection until that chemical is broken down. And when we, when we, when we're in the 18 to 22 sort of age, that breakdown can happen within five, 10 seconds. So technically they're having multiple orgasms, which is not really true. They're actually only having multiple erections. So only females get uh, m- multiple orgasms directly. 
But as we get older, again, it takes longer to break down that chemical. And by the time we reach 40, again, it usually takes anywhere up to eight hours. If you live to 80, it's going to take almost 30 days. It doesn't mean it can't be treated, but it's, again, it's just part of wear and tear. So the whole idea that the guy should be doing 20 rounds in a night, I think it's, it's your choice to do that. But at the end of the day, it's based a lot on the physiology of the body, and it also is about whether it bothers. So if you're bothered by it, then there is an issue. And well, just as a, a, a side issue, for, uh, uh, only 20% of females actually um, get orgasm from penetrative sex alone. Only 20%. And even if they do, it takes between 21 and 25 minutes for them to get that orgasm. Mm. So there's a bit of a disconnect. In this, and that's why uh, if you're in a heterosexual relationship particularly, you should really be doing a lot of foreplay, interacting, talking, buying flowers, doing these things. This actually will then stimulate the, 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 your female partner to the point where once you penetrate and if you do ejaculate within three and a half and five or five minutes, she will get orgasm because of the interplay between the penetration as well as the psychological aspect. The, the issue of support and not having, I don't know if, if it's a problem of not having places where men who feel that they have these questions and they're, they, 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 they're dealing with all of these different health challenges, that they don't have places that they can go to and, and raise um, these 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 issues, at least in what they believe is a, sa- a safe space. Talk to me a little bit about that, Professor Mutambira. Yeah, I think as it's particularly as guys, we need to start taking our health more seriously. And part mm-hmm. of our health is our sexual health. And we it's well recognized that guys are shorter than females. And there are a number of reasons for that. But one of the biggest is the fact that we don't take our health seriously. We, we are more likely to uh, do risky things, uh, driving fast, getting into fights. Uh, we are more likely to take substances like uh, cigarettes and, uh, and alcohol. And, well, more, and all of these things play into our general health as well as our sexual health. And we need to, it's, well, I mean, there's good data to show that uh, guys live about six years younger, less than females. But if we change some of the attitudes as far as our health goes, including into communication, as you were saying, it can make a massive impact on our health. And so I think there are many places to go. Probably the worst one is to talk to your, your, your friends about this in a, in, in, a, in a casual manner because everyone's going to be coming up with all sorts of different stories. But there are many forums out there, mm. uh, including a men's health forum that we have in South Africa, where you can actually interact on a more positive note. And, of course, what you're doing on the radio today is also a helpful aspect to improve their uh, sexual health. All right. Uh, Professor Motambira will be responding to your questions on 011-714-2006. That's the number to dial on the WhatsApp line, 0614-104-107. And on Twitter, it's at SFM Radio, the hashtag there, SFM Talking Point. When we continue, Makosonke in Jabulani, you'll be first off. For now, Liesl has your latest 1130 News Headlines. The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. For our health feature today, we're focusing on men's sexual health. Professor uh, Shingai Motambira is joining us. He's the head of Department of Urology at the Sifago Mahato Health Sciences University. Let me go to Jabulani Makosonke. Good morning to you. Good morning, Kathy, and your guest. Yes. Yeah, Kathy, I just want to say that um, sexual health doesn't happen by accident. 
um, before I got married, actually, um, long before I actually got married, I had to deal with myself. And one of the things that I've realized is that um, there are negative, there are uh, a spiritual and mental negative impacts that one has to deal with in terms of um, 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 ensuring that one is a good custodian of 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 what is going on in their mind because the the, the, the battle is in the mind, Kathy. You know, um, if I I don't take if I didn't take the journey of dealing with um, because remember. Um, some of us have a history, uh, a sexual history that is not healthy, or that is not helping you in terms of having a healthy sexual life. Mm. So, which it's, it has to do with um, uh, uh, one, spiritually, like I said. So, what happens is that when you encounter people sexually, obviously they carry spirits. It's either a bad spirit or good spirit. Which then, um, when you engage with them, remember you are left with their spirit, and their spirit w- will manifest as you engage sexually, uh, whether maybe with your wife or, 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 or with, with any sexual partner. You understand? And which impacts your mental capacity negatively because now, obviously, if a person doesn't carry good spirit, that, when, that good, what, when that bad spirit manifests, obviously, it does impact in terms of how you think and, and how you perform. And when I get to the, the mind, the mindset as well is that um, if I don't, if I'm not careful, what I expose myself into, you know, that will stress me. I agree. I agree with the with your guest there. Do you understand what I'm saying? I have to be a good custodian of what's going on in my mind because if I allow anything to happen in my mind, then it's going to impact also. Um, um, it's going to impact my emotions, and when my emotions are, are impacted, are going to be out of control, and that means. What, what the, 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 out, the, but the, the outcome of, of that is going to be negative. All right. That's what, mm. yeah. Uh, Marcus, That's what okay, I'm, I'm, to I'm going to ask you to stay on the line um, okay. and bring in uh, Professor Mutambira because this is this is a big issue. And what Mokusonke is really referring to here is this idea of soul ties, right? And yeah. how that in the long run has an impact on, um, you know, in men's sexual health in one aspect, but I think it, it can also be extended to, to women as well. And and, and Professor Mtambira, I'm sure this is not the first time that that you're hearing something like this. What what would you say to Makosonke? Oh yeah, I'd, I'd first congratulate him on looking and being so introspective and coming up with this because he's completely correct. We medically say that 90% of sexuality is in the brain, which is obviously going to involve the spiritual aspects of their life, the cultural aspects, and all of that stuff. And I think one of the most the biggest issues for guys is that we, again, because we don't take ourselves to our health seriously enough, we and we've been brought up to believe that in being daughter, we're tough, we don't have, is the amount of stress that men, men and women go through. But women at least are much more open about discussing it. Guys are generally very cramped about it. They, they never admit that they're under pressure. They don't, a guy can't cry, all that sort of nonsense. But I just, so that to bring it to the science, let me just explain that stress it's probably the biggest killer ahead of any other thing, be it cancer or, any, or, or, or diabetes or COVID or anything else. And one of the reasons is because stress actually produces chemicals which are very similar to the ones that damage 
the inside coating of the blood vessels, which we call the endothelium, which then causes blockages along the pipe, which can then cause your heart attack, strokes, loss of limb, erectile dysfunction. So it's not a Mickey Mouse condition. If a patient, if you've had a pressure or stress, you need to get help. And it's not just uh, going by going to the, to the to the bar and drinking or taking drugs. You've got to have interactions with people who have your best interests at heart. And I think whether it be your spiritual uh, part, uh, somebody's uh, the spiritual realm, it comes from medical, you need to find some some outlet. And so I think Marcus Onkis hit the nail on the head that we need to, first of all, respect that, that it's, it's each individual has to interact, but, but we also have to take control of our general health, which includes our cultural, um, spiritual, and mental health. All right. Marcus Onkis. Yes. Is, yes. Yeah. Yes. Kathy, mm. I just want to ask your guest uh, quickly. Now, obviously, um, you spoke about the psychological intake, which is, um, um, I just want to find out for me in that, what happens in a situation whereby um, 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 you've encountered different sexual partners? And then what does that do to, 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 to your subconscious mind in terms of affecting your sexual health? Thank you. That's, that's, that's the last question. I'll listen to the radio. All right, Marcus, okay. 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 Yeah, I think I'm not a psychologist, so I, I wouldn't be able to do too much of that. But let me just break it down. Uh, generally, uh, we, uh, in, 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 as far as we go in the world's uh, um, association of sexual sexology, they're essentially, to break it down simply, that there are only really two um, sexual problems that we will consider it in, 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 as, as a society, which is basically, and they're probably the same thing. One is... Um, taking somebody by force, rape of any sort, of course. Second is taking a child. But in general, if you are comfortable with, if you, with consenting adults, almost anything is acceptable provided it doesn't cause bother. So if you, have an, if you want to be a swinger or you want to have multiple partners, remember, of course, there are dangers such as sexually transmitted disease and such. But if it doesn't bother you or your partner, then there shouldn't really be an issue. But if it's a bother, then you have to get together with your partner and discuss it and find a way through it or prevent yourself from getting into that. So I really, I, I mean, I'll give, everybody's activities are a bit different. Let me, I always like the story of, of a patient of mine who, um, who, who they, they were married for about two years and they, 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 they didn't have a child because the guy had a fetish for being a red stiletto next to the wife's face, and that's the only way he could ejaculate. And she found this disgusting, so they hadn't been doing that, and he hadn't been able to ejaculate. And I, t- I told them, I think, I mean, they, I don't think the stiletto has a problem. And uh, eventually, after some counseling, it looks like they, they do have, they've got two kids now, so I'm pretty sure there's a stiletto involved somewhere, but it's their interpretation. Some people will find this disgusting, some people will find it, but if you're in consenting relationships, I really don't think there's an issue unless those other two aspects are based on taking a child involved. Mm-hmm. Pastor Dumain Durban, good morning. Yeah, you can hear me well. Hello, Pastor Duma. Hello, Kathy. I hope I'm clear. You can hear me well. Yes, or not. I can. Thank you very much. Good morning to the professor. My question to the prof is Is there any relationship between the cleanliness of one's kidney using whatever liquid? That also would include water. Just the cleanliness of one's kidney, does it link to any erection at all? I listen to the radio. I, I, I heard he says the cleanliness of the kidneys. Is that yes, what talking about? yes, yes. Ah, okay. All right. Again, the short answer here is that everything is interrelated. If you have a problem with your kidneys, 
If you have a problem with your heart, if you have a problem with your head, it's going to impact your sexuality. If you have a problem with your sexuality, it can impact directly on all of these organs as well. But having said that, the kidney's job is really to wash the blood, mainly of things like salt and, and other things and, and other toxins. And the, the, the commonest cause of kidney failure uh, is, it, well, when kidneys start failing, they start decreasing the amounts of fluid that come out and they can't clean out the blood as well as they used to. And that can cause increasing uh, toxins in your body, which can then impact causing you to get uh, damage to your blood vessels, damage to your brain, damage to your liver. All of these things are, again, interrelated. So the, if you've got, and the, the commonest cause, for example, is kidney failure in South Africa, and we're actually worldwide, is diabetes, because diabetes damages the blood vessels, just goes to show the interrelationships. The second most common cause, high blood pressure. Again, interrelationships. So I think the important thing is to, again, take good general health, be good to take control of your general health, which essentially is only five things that you really need to do besides which, 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 to, 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 to make sure that you, you improve your sexual health, but also improve your chances of not getting that kidney failure and such. Number one, is to do a little bit of exercise, and it doesn't have to be too, too much. We know that the data to show just even high intervals training for a couple of minutes works to project your heart just as well as an hour, an hour and a half of other exercises. Just a little bit of regular exercise. Second is to decrease the numbers of calories in our diet, because we know it's not about whether you eating fat or meat or whatever. It's amount the numbers of calories, because everything that you eat will eventually be turned to some form of sugar that can be used to, 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 to power the body. So decreasing numbers of calories, again, that doesn't mean, doesn't mean you have to stop eating things, but maybe use a smaller plate. We know our plate sizes have increased in the last 30 years by 50%, and it just makes us want to eat bigger portions. Decrease the number of, of, uh, of high-caloric things such as fizzy drinks and stuff because uh, they actually have an in- increased the numbers of calories, but at the same time, they don't give uh, satiety to, the, to a center in the brain. Uh, the third is stress. We have to get rid of stress. That's, uh, it, it's, as I said, it's probably the biggest killer. Four, I don't want to pontificate, but the most important social choice a person can make is to smoke or not to smoke. Smoking damages everything. It increases the risk of every cancer. It increases your risk of heart attacks. 50% of people who smoke will die from their smoking. So I think it's not going to, I'm not saying that if you are smoking, you try to stop, you can, if, uh, or, and don't try to start if you can prevent it as well. But it also, if you, I, I don't want to interact with that, it's a stress. The fourth is about substances. And what, these substances, for example, I've been known to take one or two beers. I probably do more than necessary. But any substance in, in uh, excess can be a problem. That includes um, illicit drugs and that sort of thing. Again, it's a choice that people have to make. Mm-hmm. But if you can focus on those five things, you will almost certainly make a huge impact on your general health, but also on your sexual health. Sure. Uh, let me go to uh, Zopin Peter Maritzburg. Zopi, good morning. Good morning. How are you, Katie? I'm well, thank you. Okay. Katie, I'd like to ask uh, the question from your guest there, just a quick one, that is there anything that I can use just to uh, enlarge my private parts because I'm a little bit shorter so I need to satisfy, but now it's become a problem. If there's anything that I can use, maybe you can suggest that he knows that that thing is working, that I can, I can, I can get it. Thank you, Katie. Okay. okay, I think to start off again, the short answer here, guys, is that your penis is fine. The penis is fine. I can tell you 
I'll explain what how we can medically increase the size, but I'll tell you that I've I've only I've been practiced for 30 years, and I've only done this to eight patients. All of them had inter, uh, intersex; they were uh, uh, both male and female. That's maybe for a specific reason. But in general, your penis—it's fine, guys. It's not about if the size increases when you get an erection. And the point is that the average size, if you measure it from the base to the tip, is between seven and 13 centimeters. I can tell you if you do a stretch length, your penis will be fine. And he says just because you're short, you might have a smaller penis. That's, that's not true as well. We know that a lot of the small people, uh, the, what is he's called dwarfs, they actually have larger penises than, than, than other full-grown adult males as well. So the point is your penis is fine. What you need to do is have cut to the point where you can get your psycho- psychology to understand that it is fine. Again, there are only three medical ways you can inc- increase the penis, and I'll come to them now. None, there are no creams that you can put in the penis that are going to make it bigger. It's impossible. There's, there's no tablets that are going to increase your size of your penis. So all of these things you see written on the side of the road, the penile enlargement, from, and I'm going to be giving you some specific nonsense. I mean, I, even if you look at some of the adverts, the, the, the spelling of penis is not even correct for the vast majority. So I don't know where you're trusting that. But there's no pills. There's no creams. There's nothing of those things. There's only three ways you can enlarge the penis that we have known to be proven. One is by doing this operation, which we can do to enlarge the penis, because about half of the penis, the spongy tissues are buried underneath the bone. And then what we can do is we can cut the ligament that makes the penis stand in an upright position and pull those sponges forward so that they, the penis length looks larger when it's down, when it's not flaccid, when it's not in, in, erect. But the problem is that that's not going to, and we can also inject fat around the penis to make it look thicker and stuff. Problem, first of all, it's a big operation. And it's going to, when you cut that ligament, your penis will no longer stand in an upright position because it, it's gone. So it's going forward and not going upwards. Second of all, the size is not that much bigger than when you have a normal erection. And I remember, guys, we go into the bathroom and we look at each other's penises and we say, oh, no, that guy's penis is bigger than mine. The whole point is that the if you know physics, the angles are going to be make it look, everybody's penis look bigger. Second of all, you're not having sex in the aisle. Well, you can if you want to, but I, generally you're not getting an erection. You're not sexually aroused. It's not the same, and it's a matter of using anyway. The point is that the size, size is not going to make that much of a difference uh, after the pulling. The, the fat can also make it a little bit lumpy and uncomfortable. And, of course, you can also damage the penis because you can have erection problems. The biggest reason why I don't do it is I tell my residents, if you have a patient who wants a penile enlargement, send it to your worst enemy because we know that it's, it's the most sued operation in all of medicine. Three-quarters of guys who get a penile enlargement will sue their doctor. The reason being, in the mind. Whatever we've done to the penis, it's not made much of a difference. And that's why I'm saying I've only done this procedure eight times for patients who were, were wanted to be males and they were intersex. We had to do the procedure. That's fine. But as a general guy... Your penis is fine. Please relax. The second thing that we can do that we know can increase the penis size is there are specific type of braces that you can apply to the penis, to the bottom of your, the base of your penis and near the tip, which sort of like with braces, you, you screw it once a day. It makes the penis go long, longer and longer over many, many months. Again, you have to wear this device for about eight hours a day. And if you, unless you've got a, no job, I don't know how you're going to walk around with this bulge. Again, it's a psychological thing, but we do use them for some specific problems, like if there's bends in the penis, we can't allow penetration. But again, 
it's not really worth it. The third one is a specific injury where if, we, if you fall on your, on your, in your groin area, you can actually damage a specific blood vessel. It's not guaranteed, and that's why it's not good. I'm not saying people should do this, but we know if you have something called high flow priapism, where there's a, a connection between your arteries and your veins going to the penis, you get an increased blood flow to the penis with more oxygenation, and over years, your penis will get bigger from that. But that is an injury, and you can actually you can die from that injury. So again, all of these three things, those are the only proven medical, medical things that can cause an enlarged penis to enlarge but I really want to go back. Your penis is fine, guys. Mm. There's really nothing wrong with it. Rather get your head out of the gutter. Get yourself into, a, if you're worried about the, the relationships or things, that's a different issue because, I mean, we, I, I have patients who come in and they're 50, 60, and they say, oh, no, my penis is small. And it happens almost every clinic I go to. And then I say, okay, look, I, I check them out, normal penis. And I say, okay, how, when did you start noticing your penis is small? There's no, in the last three, four months, because my, my wife is now trying to divorce me. How long have you been married? 30 years. I think she just wants to get out of the marriage. So the point is that get, make sure if you do have an issue, go and get yourself checked out. That's fine. There are some other medical conditions besides intersex and things which can cause a small penis. But 99.9% of guys out there, your penis is fine. Relax. All right. I've got so many voice note questions for you. So uh, I'm going to begin just with this one text message because it's linked to something you had said earlier in the program, uh, Professor Matambira. It's uh, from Anonymous who's asking about anti-inflammatories that cause EDS. I'm assuming it's erectile dysfunction. Um, and 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 he's asking, it's, it's also known that high blood pressure and diabetes affect EDS. Yeah, yeah. I think he's he's, he's complained a couple of things, but it's a very good question. Inflammation. This is when your body is overreacting to various things. It's the base, basic cause of all cancers eventually, but it's also the cause of heart attack, strokes, loss of limb. Now, let me take a step back. When you have diabetes, when you have um, hypertension. When you have high cholesterol, it's not about fat. It's not about pressure. It's not about sugar. What it is is that it's damage to the inside coating of all your blood vessels, which is called the endothelium. If you have high blood pressure, there's shear forces which can damage the inside coating. You get what we call atheromas, scars there. If you have sugar diabetes, it also goes in underneath that endothelium, causing atheromas, blocking the area. If you have high cholesterol, it's the same thing. All of these are causing thinning and thinning, thinning, thinning of your blood vessels, there's inflammation in that area as well. And then that eventually will cause clots in that area, which will stop the blood flowing. Because all the heart attack is, is no blood going to the heart. All the stroke is, there's no blood going to the brain. All erectile dysfunction is, is not enough blood going into the penis. All of these are being caused by this inflammatory condition, which is based on a number of different factors. But if you, as I said, if you, if you, if you are diabetic, then you should be getting on treatment because it helps to prevent these things. Hypertensive is the same thing. They, all of these drugs, by the way, that we use, especially for Medicaid, for high blood pressure particularly, can cause some forms of erectile dysfunction. But the issue is that there's damage. We need to get it cleared up. And if you follow the big five of the uh, exercise diet, um, no stress, no smoking, no, and uh, decreased substance, you're going to prevent a lot of the conditions that can cause these underlying problems that cause erectile dysfunction as well as heart attacks, strokes, loss of limbs. All right. Let me go to Escort. Mo Africa, good morning to you. Good morning, sister. Yeah, yes, Mo, you can yeah. go for it. 
Yes, uh, I was listening to the doctor when he was telling the guy who was concerned about his small penis that he must just relax his penis is right. I'm also having a small penis. I don't have problem because this thing now, if you put it on your mind, you'll never have a good partner. It's a matter of you get a partner, you communicate, you can satisfy. Now you're going to go and make many operations. This part God gave you. Why now you want to modify it? Thank you. Thanks, Mo. I think right. you're big, we're agreeing. But I, I, will, I will counter, Mo, that I'm pretty sure your penis is in good shape and, it's just, you're, you're, and you're using it appropriately, which is the most important part of using any organ if you're going to be using it for sex. Yeah. Tabo in Limpopo, good morning. Morning. How are you guys? Hi, Tabo. Good thing. Um, I'd like to greet the prof and listeners. Uh, I would really like to address the issue of um, infidelity and uh, access to uh, facilities to address uh, such uh, uh, problems. Um, I'm a 33-year-old male, and uh, I've been suffering with an issue of uh, infidelity. But the biggest challenge that we've got as male is that there is not much facilities to actually uh, address uh, such a, a problem. Because I've been struggling with this for the past three years, and I've been looking for medical attention, but it has been very difficult for me to access uh, uh, such facilities to assist. And uh, whenever I got facilities to assist in such, in most cases, um, they were actually private and uh, very costly because uh, now I'm scheduled for an operation next to Tuesday. And uh, privately, it was going to cost me something like uh, 32000 and I'm doing it uh, um, uh, in a public hospital. And for me to get an appointment, it has actually taken up to eight months. So uh, really, we, we as men are struggling to actually address this problem. It's just not a matter of men not wanting to address this problem, but also the number of urologists and also facilities to address such issues and to actually be able to get an appointment, it's very difficult to do so. Mm. Yeah. Professor Mutambiro, is such a big issue, hey? Yeah, that, this, is, this is actually almost a social issue in some, so many ways. You're completely correct. But it is difficult. And the two main aspects are, uh, first of all, that the, the access to for, for a lot of these treatments is expensive and difficult if you don't have, uh, if, you, if, you, if you're going to be paying cash. But also, remember that it's also, uh, the medical providers also are very uncomfortable about talking sexuality, and I'm hoping that's why some of these talks like this are helpful, because we know that 80% of, 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 of medical practitioners do not want to talk about sex. And it's a number of factors besides the, their own feelings, and that's perfectly reasonable to have that. But also the fact that it does take a lot of time. And if you look at a government facility such as ours, we know that, I mean, the average clinic that I have, from, we've got three or four doctors seeing almost 100 patients on a day. For us to start talking about sex, doing this, that, it can be very difficult in a, in, a, in a public sector. And I think that just pushes for us to try to improve our health system in total. And on top of that, we don't actually have access to many of the medications that we use for sexual function as well. So, uh, private is also got it. It's not a, a utopia. We know that they, a lot of the drugs that are, again are not used are not uh, sponsored by the by, by medical schemes. And there's so many aspects of this. But I think we, as as a public, we need to push that sexual health is so important that it needs to be addressed further. And I agree with Tabo that uh, there are 
there are shortfalls, but I think if we as a society make changes, we can actually improve the outcomes, not just for sexual function, but for our general health, uh, other general health things such as cancers and uh, diabetes, hypertension. All right. Let me get to the voice note. So what I'll do, um, Professor Mutombiro, is that I'll, I'll play the voice note and then you can respond straight after. Okay. Okay. Hi, Seth Casey. You're speaking to Jack from Limpopo. Please ask your professor how the abuse of alcohol can affect your performance. Yeah. Alcohol is actually a, a depressant. It's not a stimulant, even though it makes people feel like they're getting uh, better. And a lot of people could think that the, the, the sex is going to get better when they're drinking. It's because it's decreasing inhibitions more than anything else. But the point is that it actually can damage uh, your liver, it can damage many things, especially in excess. And of course, the way you, you, you know, it just damages the way you're thinking and talking. It also can imp- impact on, 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 on abuse and various other things. But the po- short answer, there's not any direct uh, link between erection, sexuality for men and women from alcohol. The only thing that we know for sure is that any person who has drunk has done something 80% of the time and that's slept while having sex. But that's probably not the best option. But the short answer is it's not a, it's not a stimulant per se, but it does decrease your inhibitions. Hi, DJ Kedi. <clears throat> I've got a question to, to, to the prof there. Uh, I'm going to remain anonymous, by the way. I need to find out masturbation is there a thing called too much of doing it and does it have any bad effects on doing it and uh, i like to thank this kind of conversation because it enlightens us especially guys who have lowered our self-esteem for simply may the wear and tear as the doctor says that as you grow up things do change and you look at yourself in your younger age and you look at yourself in now and you think like, oh, I'm, 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 I'm a reject now because certain things I can't perform in the way I used to do. But only to find out now it's just because you're growing up. That's it. Perfect. Yeah, masturbation. Short answer. Absolutely nothing wrong with it. In fact, the, the only difference between intimate sex and masturbation because it, it improves your, your mood, it improves your energy, it improves your, your heart. It's just that you don't get the intimacy. But there's no danger. Your hand's not going to get hair. You're not going to become a sex addict. All of this is nonsense. And of course, you, oh, it's very safe if you drink because you're doing it by yourself. You don't have to get exposed to anything else. So don't be worried about masturbation. It's a good thing. It's, you, sex addiction basically is about bother again. If it's bothering your life, your culture, or your work or anything, then that's when it becomes a problem. But if you masturbate, as many times as you want, it's really no danger. So uh, go go for it and make love to the one you love the most yourself, hopefully. <laughs> Professor Mutambira, uh, we've completely run out of time uh, for this conversation. But I must say we've had such a big response that we'll have to find a way of uh, probably having a part two. I mean, there's so many voice notes that we just have not been able, ha- had a chance to to get to. Let me thank you for being part of this conversation and for really enlightening us on, on the subject.